electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Market insight and analysis. You're listening to the opening bell of CNBC's Squawk on the Street. Good Friday morning. Welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm Carl Quintanilla with David Faber and Leslie Picker. Jim Cramer has the morning off. Market does like the jobs number. 315,000 shows job growth moderating a bit. Unemployment up to 3.7. Labor force, as Becky said, matching the post-COVID high. Is it dovish for the Fed? Yields are down ahead of a three-day weekend. Our roadmap begins with that jobs number. Futures rallying as the number comes in as expected. Cool some fears of a more aggressive Fed ahead. Plus, we'll give you a retail roundup. Starbucks, of course, also naming a new CEO. Lulu giving an upbeat outlook, saying it continues to see strong sales. And fresh off of signing a major contract extension, Denver Broncos quarterback Russell Wilson kicks off a new partnership with Carrier. Wilson and Carrier CEO join us at Post 9 in a few minutes to explain. We'll begin with the jobs numbers. We said 315K. Looking through some of the internals, which you may know by now, average hourly earnings up three tenths. Prior was five tenths. We mentioned labor force. Uh, the discussion this morning, guys, is if we can put together a, a moderating CPI number on the 13th, what does that mean for the Fed this, uh, this month? Yeah, I think that's the key. And when you look at the market reaction to this report, it's very clear that, you know, it's a mixed report. It's not out of the water hot. It's not too cool. So, you know, you got kind of a positive but muted reaction. I think people, of course, are going to look ahead to what's going on with CPI. Neil Kashkari uh, was on a podcast earlier this week basically saying he's not really giving much credence to what this data shows. It's all about inflation. However, if there was a data point to look at with regard to how it's impacting inflation, it would be wage growth, which we saw uh, tick up but definitely down from some of the highs in terms of year-over-year gains that we had been seeing. Um, I mean, I listen to Squawk Box because they do great analysis right in the moment, and certainly from, uh, from almost every one of the participants in their panel, the word Goldilocks was used a good amount. You did have an increase in the participation rate, which is a good thing, to 62.4%. Apparently, younger and older workers both starting to enter the workforce in a way that they had not been previously. In fact, the labor force growing by 800,000 uh, workers. That's a, that's a big jump. Um, and the unemployment rate as a result is now up to 3.7%, but some would view that in a positive manner. But again, it comes back to a certain extent in terms of the markets that we watch and what that's going to mean for what the Fed uh, does. As Carl, we've heard many times, Mr. Kramer, certainly he believes the Fed really does want Less job growth and certainly less wage <coughs> wage inflation um, because that's going to be a key in terms of the war they're waging overall right. on inflation. And as we've been talking about for most of the week, markets already gotten used to the idea of goods deflation or at least disinflation after the ISM numbers come in, prices paid, supply chain, uh, new orders, all of that sort of retracing uh, the COVID highs. Uh, which is good to see, but now the market knows it's going to be about wages, and that's why directionally uh, this number might be friendly to the bulls. Although we should point out, week has not been friendly at all. I think almost every Dow stock is down for the week. We got all Dow names, no, a third of the Dow names are down 20% for the year. Yeah. And, and four are down 30% for the year. CRM, Intel, Nike, Walgreens. So yeah. it's. 
it has been bloody. I read a, a statistic that stocks were down except for yesterday, every day since Jackson Hole, since that speech was given. So today, I think you look at the number and, and someone on Squawk Box, uh, I watched it too, David. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they were saying that, you know, this read is not so hot as to indicate it pushes the Fed to 75, but not so cool, kind of using that Goldilocks analogy that it pushes the Fed to 50. So it kind of creates this continuation of an uncertainty regarding what exactly they're going to do uh, in a couple weeks' time when they do decide the next, whether it's going to be a jumbo rate hike or it's going to be something a little closer to 50. Um, but yeah, and Leslie, of course, as you point out, we are down. You can see it there still uh, one week, 2.24% on the S&P. It certainly has been a negative reaction to Chair Powell one week ago at this point. We we're watching him so closely. And it was interesting initially to watch that market reaction, but uh, which was not bad. But over the course of uh, that day, last Friday, and then the ensuing days, certainly there has been an adjustment to the idea that, hey, they are going to get to the terminal rate and stay there longer. Still, how long continues to be a key question. There are those who believe this kind of a number does encourage at least the, the belief that they can engineer a soft landing. And that is one of the keys that we're also watching. We'll see whether we can maintain at least a bit of the uh, gains that appear to be in, uh, in store for us when we get started with trading uh, about 25 minutes from now. Another thing we've also seen is, is bonds now in a bear market. Uh, if you look at what's going on with regard to government bonds and investment grade bonds uh, down significantly this year, we haven't really seen kind of that pressure in terms of yields throughout the bulk of the year that would create more of a slowdown in things like credit conditions and um, you know, mortgages, of course, are up to 5.66% right now. So all of those things do have an effect to slow down the economy, or at least that's the Fed's intended effect um, you know, of hiking interest rates. But throughout much of the, the spring, summertime, the market was kind of ignoring that and saying, you know, we're going to keep yields under 3%. Well, that's not going to have the same intended effect of really slowing down the economy. Yeah. Meantime, energy prices are going to be a key part of the discussion. Uh, oil is back up today. We're watching G7 talk more about perhaps an agreement on Russian oil price caps. You got Tropical Storm Danielle, which uh, could potentially become uh, the first big storm in the Atlantic Basin, and of course OPEC Plus. But Funstrat, with a good note last night, looking at how much gasoline might subtract from uh, August CPI, six-tenths they argue at this level, which would be more than the four-tenths it subtracted in July, huh. which would sort of feed uh, that disinflationary uh, mindset. But you got gas prices now, 380 or so, uh, six-month low, incredibly oil now uh, well below where it was when Putin invaded Ukraine. It's not at all what people expected in February. Yeah, and with that much waiting, you have to wonder, you know, if there is a reversal in what we see with regard to the price of gasoline, with regard to the price of oil, how sustainable and how much the, the Fed will kind of look at that and say, well, it's just so much in response to what's going on with oil, but the rest of these factors are still very high. And so, you know, we, we can't put all of our stock in Apple, basically, or in uh, oil, oil, basically. Yeah, the Fed's been clear about that. We are not going to get snookered by gas prices coming down just to see them potentially go back up in the fall. Yeah. Um, Moving on, guys, some other names that we're keeping a close eye on this morning include Starbucks. You know, it was only yesterday that the CEO of Reckitt Benkeiser had uh, stepped down. His name is Laxman Nursiman. Uh, he will now become Starbucks CEO, and that will begin in April of 2023. This is after he ran, of course, uh, the maker of Lysol uh, and other key consumer products over the last three uh, years. Now, Howard Schultz will remain Starbucks interim CEO during a transition. 
He calls Nurseman the right leader to take the company into its next chapter. A lot of changes going on, Carl, at Starbucks since Kevin Johnson stepped down, perhaps more so than we thought at the time, and sort of wondering exactly why they made the leadership change when they did, particularly because the way they played it at the time was that Johnson had given them notice in some way, and yet they failed to find anybody uh, to come up with it. I still question that. Now they do have their leader for the future, but they are dealing with a lot of transitions at Starbucks, in particular, so many of their orders being digital, how you actually, within the Starbucks itself, create those orders, <laughs> yes. keep your employees happy, and perhaps from continued unionization efforts yeah, well, as well. No wonder they're going to give him until April to sort of get used to this, and the board has asked Schultz to stay on as CEO until then, give him a chance to plug in and get used to the changing ways they're doing business. The piece this week in the journal about kitchen complexity and how that's making it difficult to hang on to workers. The other thing that's being talked about today is his experience in consumer packaged goods, uh, not just at Reckitt, but at Pepsi, McKinsey before that. Is that a sign that perhaps they'll start to lean into packaged Starbucks over the retail experience. So I thought that was interesting too, the way that they're ramping this up, having him join the company in October, but not officially taking the helm as CEO until next year. And then also this idea that he's coming in and he's gonna learn about all the big plans that they already have. Usually you have a new CEO come in, put their rubber stamp on, put their strategic vision on. Uh, it, it appears based on kind of reading between you know the various press releases and the reports that are out there that he's gonna come in and execute this bold vision that's already really been in the works for quite some time while layering in his expertise and his experience at McKinsey and uh, Reckitt. And yeah. I'm trying to remember, is he the CEO we had on in the depths of COVID? Yes. yes. Where you had a discussion about We did. We had a discussion about, yes, yeah, some consumer products that are involved in preventing pregnancy. Yes. yes. Um, it was an interesting discussion. <laughs> One for the ages. It was, and he sent me a nice box of said product as well uh, to, to New Jersey, and I gave them out to all the young people in the office. But of course, there were no young people in the office, so I think the box is probably still They're sitting still there. still there, yeah. Um, we'll let you figure out the rest on that. Interestingly, um, you know, Howard is going to stay on the board. Uh, he had stepped off, of course, and then came back, but he is going to continue to be a board member. And so one would imagine that he's going to have a significant voice in that boardroom mm -hmm. uh, for quite some time to come. So you take a look at Mr. Schultz, who again is the interim CEO and will be so until uh, the spring of next year. Yeah, well, with his expertise with Lysol and other things, maybe we'll expect even cleaner stores <laughs> to come. <laughs> uh, speaking of young people, though, uh, perhaps young and old, I guess. Lululemon is the biggest pre-market gainer on the NASDAQ 100. The yoga wear retailer issuing upbeat guidance and posting better than expected quarterly results, including a 29% jump in revenue. Yesterday on Closing Bell, Lulu CEO Calvin McDonald spoke about the state of the consumer. We are monitoring our guest behavior very closely. Um, and, and looking for any signs that would indicate uh, a change in behavior. Uh, and as to date, we have not. Uh, we grew our men's business 27%. We grew our women's business 24% in the quarter. Our traffic increased 30% uh, in stores, over 40% online. New guest acquisition was up 24%. Transactions with existing guests up 17% positive uh, comp growth in stores at 18%, online 32% and across the region. So we're not seeing that and it's driven by full price innovation. 
Yeah, so growth was balanced across genders. It was across existing guests and new guests. They had growth in China. Um, and I kind of, I like this Wedbush note because I think it points to one of their growth areas that they see as well. It's titled, Strap on your fanny pack and get long Lulu. Uh, that's because this belt bag that's become increasingly popular grew 50% of, of their accessories. Do you have any of the, any belt, of the belt bags? You know what? I actually looked at one because I, I took a trip to Europe. I thought it would be handy and then I just couldn't get my act together to get it shipped in time. So I never bought it. But My producer, Kerry, has I three of them. I did three of them. Yes, three. Well, that there you go. <laughs> that explains it. That's, why, that's how you get 25% uh, <laughs> annual compounded Kerry. growth yeah. rate over three well, years. Street was only looking for 16. Yeah. <laughs> More than one belt bag. <laughs> When we come back, a carrier uh, teaming up with Denver Broncos quarterback Russell Wilson announcing a new clean air and energy partnership. They are going to join us right here at Post 9. We're also going to get some reaction from the White House on this morning's jobs number. NEC Director Brian Deese will join us. We'll get to some news on Apple, Qualcomm and Meta, SoftBank when Squawk on the Street comes back. Let's get straight to the point. You want to grow your portfolio to fight rising costs of inflation or pay off your debt or anything standing in the way of you and financial freedom, right? Yahoo Finance, our sponsor today, can help. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been helping great investors like you. Whether you're a seasoned investor or just looking for tips, Yahoo Finance makes it super easy by putting all the tools and data you need in one spot. Yahoo Finance takes a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and more. You can securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including 401k and other investments. That's how Yahoo Finance gives you insights and helps you take a look at your wealth in its entirety. That big picture perspective is what great investors need. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor. YahooFinance.com, the number one financial destination. YahooFinance.com. That's YahooFinance.com. Hey, Carl, Ford having uh, August sales that increased 27.3%. Now, you might look at that and say, wow, that's a huge surge. Keep in mind, this is in comparison to August of last year. August of last year, because of the chip crisis, sales were down 35%. So this is the choppiness that we're seeing with a number of automakers. But there's a lot of bright points within this uh, last month in terms of deliveries for Ford. Trucks up 13%, SUVs up 47%, best month ever for F. 150 lightning deliveries as they ramp up those deliveries, increasing uh, with a total of 2,373 delivered. And speaking to the demand for the uh, lightning as well as the other electric vehicles that are out there, the days to turn, David, this means how long it takes for a dealership to take a vehicle, process it, do the paperwork, get it to the customer. The days to turn for the F-150 lightning, eight days in a normal market. You usually have a vehicle turning, I don't know, every 35, 40 days. Eight days talks about how much demand there is right now for the F-150 Lightning. Wow, that is fast. Phil, thank you. Uh, Phil, the way you see uh, Ford shares uh, moving up a bit, and we'll obviously get a better read on that 14 minutes from now when the market opens. All right, moving on. Carrier, excuse me, Carrier and Denver (laughs) Broncos quarterback Russell Wilson announcing a clean air and energy partnership here at the NYC are Russell Wilson and uh, the other guy too, Carrie <laughs> and CEO Dave Gitlin. Guys, great to have you here. Um, all right, we're a business channel, so I'm actually going to start with the business guy. Yeah. Um, 
You know, you describe this, David, as a, a, the Abound platform that we're talking about, a digital platform that enables healthy indoor air quality and drives reduced carbon emissions from buildings. I mean, how important is this effort for you? And what exactly are we talking about when we talk about a digital platform and what that will allow for? Well, you start with the premise, David, that buildings are fundamentally changing. They used to be a shelter. You would go in, you'd hope the lighting would work, the air conditioning, heating, and now they're going to an interconnected ecosystem. So you're looking for more outcomes in your building. You're looking for healthy indoor environments. They need to be sustainable. 40% of carbon emissions come from buildings. So what we really wanted to do is establish a digital platform that we called it Abound to drive outcomes, to drive more healthy indoor air environments. So you can see through a digital dashboard whether or not the air quality is good and take auto correction to fix it. And you can also see if you have 10,000 buildings around the world, do you have elevated carbon emissions in one building versus the other, sense it and then auto correct it. So Abound is our digital platform to create these healthy and sustainable indoor environments. And Russell, how did you become involved with this effort to improve and or monitor indoor air quality? Well, it's actually a fascinating story. I, I, you know, obviously I love playing football. I had all my teammates down in, in uh, San Diego. And at the time in Seattle, it was 105 degrees. And really around 44%, 45% of, of Seattle has air conditioning, the rest not. And a lot of my teammates didn't. And they were saying, man, it's so crazy hot. And me and one of my teammates, Penny Hart, were talking about, you know, how do we create, you know, opportunities to, you know, have, healthy air and, and actually air conditioning. And so fast forward, um, you know, I had my wealth management guy, Larry Estrada, do a study on, on, on the fact of air conditioning across the country and, and also the effects of it and, and what it also means around the world globally. Fast forward, I saw the fact that, you know, a lot of schools had bad air. Obviously, COVID was going on. Uh, so many different problems with that. And then I said, hey, you know what? Let, let's get in touch with the, the, the number one air conditioning company in the world, Carrier. Fast forward, you know, the CEO, David's in Seattle. I said, let's, let's meet. And we meet on the back porch and talk for several hours about this fact that um, this new opportunity with the bound and what we could do and, and what it means for kids. And, and also, you know, I obviously have my young kids and uh, they struggle with asthma and, and I have asthma. And so the whole understanding that we want to be able to make sure that the buildings that we go into, the places that we live, low income housing, the, the different, you know, uh, buildings, the malls and where everybody walks and talks and making sure that they're breathing in good air. So it's, it's, you actually started this thinking about it potentially an investment opportunity. You said you approached your wealth manager to sort of study this issue? Yes, it was a big thing. You know, obviously, uh, you know, my wealth management guy, Goldman Sachs, and I, we started talking about how, how abound and how this thought process that we could create this opportunity uh, for, for the world and really you know, obviously in America right now and, and uh, you know, how we could you know, have a major impact with healthy living and healthy air. Uh, so, Dave, I'm curious then, given kind of Russell's anecdote and how he got involved, I mean, 105 degrees in Seattle, we're seeing record temperatures in all sorts of places this summer um, and in previous summers across the globe. Are you seeing more demand come from just these newer markets or is it kind of this post-pandemic world where people are just so much more focused on clean air and what's circulating, what kind of germs are out there? Or, a combination of both and are you able to fulfill that demand? Yes, uh, it's actually a combination of both, Leslie. We are seeing demand for air conditioning in parts of the world that never had it before. In the UK, it's something like 3% of the homes have air conditioning. In Seattle, as Russell said, typically less than half have air conditioning. So we are seeing more demand driven by you know the increasing Earth's temperature. It actually is a very important cycle that we're addressing because the hotter the Earth's planet gets, the more demand you have for air conditioning. The more demand for air conditioning you have, the hotter the Earth's planet gets. So to address that, we're really focused on innovation. So the new 
Inflation Reduction Act. It gives incentives for people to buy heat pumps, incentives for people to buy more energy efficient systems. We're right in the middle of that $370 billion spend to get more energy efficient systems into people's homes and into buildings to really reverse that cycle. You know, when, when the conversation turns to emissions, the criticism is often, we can do as much good work as we want here, but it doesn't mean that players around the world are going to match us, right? And so th does that good work get lost? Is this, how global is this initiative? 100% global. So we right now, we, are, we have a bound in a billion square foot globally. We have places like the Home Depot where we cover 2,000 stores today, but we also, we bought Toshiba's HVAC business, so we're gonna be deploying it to their customers in Japan, China, Thailand. We also have a very strong presence throughout Europe. In China, we have very strong market share, 100% a global platform. Well, you, you know, you mentioned obviously the, the Inflation Reduction Act. Do you expect that Carrier is going to be a real beneficiary? Are there any specific uh, opportunities in terms of saving on your taxes, for example, for consumers who would use your and or uh, commercial buildings that would use your equipment? It's both. It's both homes and commercial buildings. Under the Inflation Reduction Act, today, if you buy a heat pump, you get about $300 of tax credit. Under the new Inflation Reduction Act, you can get anywhere between $2,000 and $3,750 for buying heat pumps. And David, if you think about if we put heat pumps in every home in the United States, that would be the equivalent of taking 32 million cars off the road. So heat pumps is going to be very, very significant. It's also incentives for buying more energy efficient air conditioning for homes and more energy efficient systems for commercial buildings. Right. And you're also, you are a big seller of heat pumps in Europe as well, I believe, we are. correct? We're the, we're the number one seller of commercial heat pumps in Europe. They're going to have some issues there potentially providing energy overall. Yes. So that's a major thing right now in Europe is that as you see the energy prices and as Europe is trying to wean itself off Russian gas, which is a big deal, there's going to be a highly subsidized transition to heat pumps, and we're right in the middle of that, that transition. All right, let's come back to the quarterback here. Yes. Um, you know, you mentioned your wealth manager. You obviously just signed a very well-deserved contract as one of the best at what you do on the planet. We would say the best. Uh, <laughs> I got to, you know. Yeah. We, we interview a lot of quarterbacks here at uh, CNBC. Um, what are you going to do with, you know, how are you thinking about uh, investing over time, especially given you're going to have even more at your disposal? Yeah, well, I, th I think there, there's three things that me and Sierra are really focused on. And, and we really think about impact as the number one overall you know, arcing thing. You know, the reality is, is that this, uh, we're focused on the mind, body, and soul. You know, and, and to me, uh, this is, parting with Carrier in this journey is really focused on the body of people and, and, and also how their minds. Once again, going back, you know, we, we, we're fortunate to be able to create a school called the Why Not, Why Not You Academy in Seattle. And partnering up with Carrier, for example, this is just one of the examples, but how can we impact our kids at school? Um, you know, a lot of the statistics you know, show that, you know, based on you know, the CO2 levels and everything else in, our, in, 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 in studying and in test scores and everything else, that the, the, the worse the, the CO2 levels are, that the, the worse their grades are going to be. So just little things like this and how can we have an impact? So I'm excited with Carrier. Obviously, there's a lot of other things that we're, we're investing in technology. Um, you know, we're really interested in media, the media world. Um, we have some cool things going on there as well, but um, it's an exciting time. You know, I'm, I'm from Denver, so oh, your, your okay. arrival, oh, you didn't tell me this. it's hard for people to understand, your arrival in town is the biggest thing in like 30 years. Um, and I got to think, I mean, we've, we discuss a lot about media rights, sports rights, and the overall health of the league is, is incredible right now. I wonder how you think about that going into the season. Well, it's, um, it's an exciting time, obviously, uh, being, being in Denver. Um, you know, we have such an amazing team, but I think that, you know, if you think about just the National Football League, they were, they were saying a stat the other day that the National Football League just preseason 
how many people watch preseason more than the NBA uh, finals, you know? So it's fascinating you know, what our sport's doing globally. Obviously, we have new ownership, too. It's an exciting time in Denver, just in particular, obviously, with the Walton Penner Group. Um, we have so many amazing people like uh, Melody Hobson, you know, uh, Condoleezza Rice, Lewis Hamilton as well. But it's an exciting time there. But uh, I'm excited to be here, obviously. This is my first time really being well, on stage we, with you guys. So we're hoping to have you back, right? Times. Uh, they paid $4.65 billion for that franchise. Russell, how many more seasons do you have in you? You've had 11 I, I got, already. I got 10 to 12. <laughs> 10, to 12. <laughs> 10 to 12 more. 10, 12, that's 12 the new standard. Be, 12 will be the biggest goal. But um, So over 20 years in the league is, yeah. the, is the plan. Yeah, that's been my, always been my plan. You're looking good so far. Yeah, so. All right, we're going to have you back then, for sure. I like it. I like it. <laughs> guys, thank you both. Thank uh, you so much. Dave Gitlin, Russell Wilson. Still to come this morning, NEC Director Brian Deese will get some White House reaction to this morning's jobs number. Take a look at the pre-market as uh, it did get a pop on the heels of that number. If you missed it, 315,000 with labor force participation back to 62.4. Back after a break. If a friend asks how you're doing and you say, I'm okay. When the truth is, I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say, hang it in there. Because if I ask for help, They'll just think I'm weak. Then this is your sign to call, text, or chat. 988 for free, confidential support. Anytime. You don't have to hide how you feel. All right, we are counting you down to the uh, opening bell, of course, coming off. Really, the main news of the morning is that employment report. A number of different uh, earnings we're watching. We've gone through uh, Lululemon. We'll get to Broadcom as well, actually, an important uh, earnings report there. Let's wait until we get the bell itself. Uh, but, uh, you know, Carl, we're digesting another uh, employment report, each one becoming more important, of course, as we try to figure out 50 or 75 for the upcoming year. Yeah. Well, there had been some discussion yesterday when yields were really taking off that if the, today's number was incredibly strong, does the 75 to 100 discussion uh, get raised again? Clearly, that is not happening with the way in which labor growth is moderating a bit. And watching unemployment go to 3.7 uh, is something that directionally uh, the doves would want to see. And there you go at the opening bell, of course, take a look at a real-time exchange for the first time this week. May see more green on there. Of course, we've had a lot of lower opens. Uh, here at the Big Board College Licensing Company, that is a subsidiary of Endeavor celebrating College Colors Day. We're with the NASDAQ. Fox Sports lead NFL broadcast crew. Got a lot of football today. They'll call the uh, Super Bowl 57. It'll be their 10th all-time presentation of the championship game. Wow, take a look at that breath. Yeah. Filling in this morning. That's a lot of green. You know, early days, though, because as we saw yesterday, it, you know, the markets opened one way and then closed uh, in a much more optimistic posture. Today, we see, though, all three of the major indexes significantly in the green after what had been kind of a, a difficult week. Um, but September, things are looking a little brighter, at least. <laughs> A little bit. This report. I did want to get to Broadcom uh, because it has bucked the trend to a certain extent in terms of the, uh, the report, at least based I can tell at this point, of earnings. Um, nothing, nothing particularly bad in the market reacting, as you might expect, in a positive fashion as a result. Um, reported uh, July results, October, uh, $8.9 billion uh, in terms of the guide. Uh, for the next quarter, that was ahead of consensus, which was $8.7 billion. Adjusted EBITDA running at roughly 63% of revenues. And noting that demand, Leslie, remains strong across all end markets. 
as customers continue to invest in data center upgrades and refresh and broadband with the wireless ramp, uh, iPhone ahead and the like. So, you know, any number of technology companies have given some positive reports, but guidance that has been a bit weaker as a result of customers perhaps stepping back a bit. Not the case it would seem, at least, from Broadcom. Yeah, that and then PagerDuty as well, which also has cloud exposure. Um, that's up about 7% on its earnings, which showed kind of a similar uh, benefit, exceeding Wall Street analysts' uh, forecasts for 2Q, at least in terms of the top line. Um, so, you know, kind of a, a nice case study for, for what we're seeing with regard to certain end markets that are holding up amid some of the other macroeconomic slowdowns that have impacted technology. Yeah, I was keeping, you know, every, every morning you try to keep a list of the companies that are either guiding lower or missing guidance or guiding higher and beating guidance. And those three, Broadcom, Lulu, and PagerDuty, all had at least some element of raised guidance, which is not something we've seen for much of the week, especially, David, as you point out, in the wake of Seagate and what NVIDIA said earlier in the week, and just how some of the street's been reacting, city call on semis, uh, and a lot of those trending trend lines have been rolling over in tech. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned NVIDIA, Carl, because of course the stock was very weak yesterday, that on the need for a license, but really what is essentially the U.S. government saying, no, you can't sell these advanced chips to China any longer or potentially manufacture things in China as well. The company did come out, this was out yesterday, so it was incorporated in the trading that took place. Uh, but they did say the government has authorized exports, re-exports, and in-country transfers needed to continue uh, their development of the H100 integrated circuit. Um, this is after they told us yesterday, of course, about what might be that $400 million hit from their inability to, uh, to sell these advanced, particularly used in AI uh, chips to China. Um, seen as potentially a positive, but that stock, I mean, that's yesterday. Uh, you can see though what it's done over time. Uh, it is, uh, NVIDIA is down 52.4% for the year. Wow, a lot of those charts though, I mean, Lulu was down for the year as well. I think PagerDuty was down significantly for the year. A lot of the reports that we've seen this morning that have been exceeding expectations, we're down pretty significantly underperforming the market. There's also been a lot of management change news, uh, you know, in the, in the uh, flow this morning. We talked about what happened at Starbucks. There's also Shell with Reuters reporting that its CEO, Ben Van Burden, is preparing to step down next year. He's led that energy giant for a decade, looking internally with four candidates inside the organization to succeed him. But... Perhaps some of that is seasonality, just the fact that we're getting into September. Some of these announcements could be churning out, but it's also just on the backside of the pandemic. CEOs who have led their companies through crises are looking for kind of new blood to fill those roles. Yeah, uh, oil definitely leading the market this morning. Uh, Schlumberger, uh, Marathon, has Halliburton, Mohawk, or sorry, EOG, all in the uh, two to three percent range. We were mentioning chips a moment ago. Uh, it's been a even though the price action is not reflected, it's been a uh, directionally positive week, news week for Qualcomm, uh, David. Uh, the news this morning, they're teaming up with Meta to develop a custom chipset for virtual reality. And of course, that comes on the heels of uh, the EU and obviously not going to appeal that case that was going to cost them almost a billion dollars. Yeah, although they did get sued by Arm earlier in the week, uh, I believe as well. You know, they're always dealing with, their, with a, a certain uh, amount of litigation 
uh, at Qualcomm. Obviously, very tied into wireless. Uh, and as you point out, Carl, the stock's performance this year has not been uh, not been particularly bad. At least, certainly, well outperformed the broader market, uh, being down less than 10 percent over the last 12 months. You can see year to date, it is worse than that. But if we go back a full year. Uh, not as bad. But again, the last three months has been much of that uh, decline that's taken place. You know, you mentioned uh, energy, one of the outperformers. Uh, Leslie Banks also, your area, uh, benefiting, it would seem at least, from a response to the jobs report that may or may not mean for rates, obviously with the two-year yield at least off a bit. Uh, but nonetheless, I am seeing uh, J.P. Morgan, Bank of America, City all up well, you see it right there. Yeah. Let's call it 1%. Yeah, I think that's an expected reaction when you look at today's uh, jobs report because what it implies is this idea that maybe the Fed can engineer a soft landing and maybe it's not going to be one of those situations where they have to create some sort of really difficult economic environment, which would be bad for all the banks, while also simultaneously raising rates, which is a tailwind for these banks. And that's kind of the that sweet spot that banks and bank investors want to see happening. It's not an easy sweet spot to achieve, but any kind of new data point that suggests that we could be closer to that, you can expect to see, you know, percent higher for, for some of the big Wall Street firms as well. Yeah. Uh, the Visa CFO had some interesting comments this week, uh, just talking about uh, consumer trends, spending trends, which were up double digits year on year, but basically flat going from July to August. But he did say, uh, we're not economic prognosticators. We can only see the trend as it is today. Uh, we don't know, for example, if you're not feeling confident and will spend less two weeks from now. We only know that when it happens. Trends can change, but the good news is they haven't. So that is really what bulls have their, are hanging their hat on right now, is that at least uh, consumer spending on a nominal basis isn't, isn't rolling over. And then there are companies that are thinking of how to be opportunistic in that. I think we have a, a soundbite prepared from the Signet CEO on Mad Money, where uh, she talked about basically there are tough economic times are an opportunity for them to actually capture share. I think, I think we should have that ready. Take a listen. I continue to think our stock is undervalued. We see a lot of upside potential. Uh, so we're staying focused on a couple of key things. One is consistently delivering annual double-digit margins. The second is we've stayed focused on our capital allocation priorities. So we um, have continued to invest to grow market share. Yeah, so it's one thing, I guess, to, to be purchasing more of the belt bags from Lulu. Another thing to be purchasing jewelry and kind of weighing those decisions. You can see Signet, though, down about half a percent this morning. Although belt bags seem to be doing pretty darn well for Lulu. Forty-three-plus billion-dollar market value at the beginning, I think, of trading today, up another 10 percent is Lulu Lemon. Wow, you can... Uh, not bad. Fit a lot of hundreds in a belt bag, I guess. <laughs> um, they have really distanced themselves from so many of their competitors. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I've even got a pair of those pants oh, now. I'm, I'm, I'm literally wearing them right now. I mean, it's it's made it easier to shop if you're a guy, I would argue, mm -hmm. uh, for work and for leisure. I heard There was a comment this morning that they're almost operating in a different retail environment than a lot of their competitors. I mean, I was trying to put together probably the best retail quarters that we've seen this this quarter. I'm not sure Kramer might disagree, but I he would probably say something like Dick's. Maybe William Sonoma, and he'd probably throw Lulu in there as well. In that, in that, you have a retailer where they beat in a race, which yes. is not yeah. happening a lot. And they do still have inventory challenges. It's not that's not something to be discounted. They do have very high inventory levels, but they're not a retailer that's really known for doing much discounting to get rid of it. I did see some reports about 
you know, very good deals. They have kind of, we made too much, that section on their website where they try to, you know, do they do discount things every now and again, but they're not really seen, especially compared to a lot of their peers, as major discounters. They are able to somehow work through their inventory regardless. But that, that is a point uh, that they're also facing challenges related to inventory just like their peers. Yeah, it is, it, I'm glad you mentioned it actually. On a unit basis, increased 64%, but a three-year compound annual growth rate of 38%, inclusive of two percentage points for in-transit inventories. But when you're talking about a 26% annual compound revenue growth rate, that's not one that many retailers have seen over the last three years. Not many. That tech that companies have seen. And that is how you get Not many companies Companies at all. in general that's in this environment. That's how you get to, uh, to a well more than $40 billion market value. Holding on to gains this morning, uh, Dow's up 130, although we are back below 4K on the S&P. Uh, back to the jobs number today, 315,000 added in August as expected. Unemployment, as we said, ticks up to 3.7. Joining us for the first reaction out of the White House today, National Economic Council Director Brian Deese. Brian, great to have you. Happy Friday. Um, the White House was asked about the jobs number earlier in the week, and the spokesperson did say, we do expect some to cool. Uh, your reaction to the print? Well, it's good to be here, Carl. You know, there's a lot of uh, encouraging news in this uh, in this report today. On the job side, we saw at 315,000 jobs. You know, we, we we never look too much at one month, but if you look over the last quarter, there's about 375,000 jobs a month average. That is down from earlier in the year at five or 600,000 jobs, but still a very solid pace. And I think the big uh, encouraging sign in this report is on the labor force. So we saw the largest increase in labor force participation so far this year. Prime age labor force participation, that's among working age Americans, is now at its highest level, save a couple of months before the pandemic that we've seen in a decade. Uh, women's prime age labor force participation now higher than pre-pandemic levels. So we're seeing people come back into the labor market. That's the kind of thing that we want to see. Uh, so a lot of encouraging signs here in the report. What do you think is driving participation if, in fact, uh, we're starting to make some real headway? Is it, is it about COVID restrictions falling? Uh, is childcare getting easier? Is it about uh, perhaps gas prices coming down, make it easier to commute or some mix? I think it's a combination of things. I think that we've seen uh, there's, uh, because of the strength of the labor market, we're seeing job openings and job opportunities that Americans can get access to that they haven't in the past. I think that uh, the decline in, as you pointed to, energy prices and particularly gas coming down. Uh, today we hit the 80th day in a row that gas prices are down, down about $1.20. So as we move from the summer season into the fall driving season, that provides some relief. And I think that we are moving into a school year uh, where there is more confidence and more certainty around the ability to plan in an environment where uh, you know we, we still have to deal with COVID, um, we still have to take on those issues. Uh, the new boosters uh, that were announced are going to be a big part of that, but I think there's more confidence in the ability to plan around uh, family and, and care responsibilities. I think all of those things together are creating a dynamic of sustained and steady progress in the labor market. And that, as I said, that labor force, what we want to see is more people getting into the labor force, more people getting jobs with higher wages. Uh, and this is certainly an encouraging report in that respect. Do you think, though, that the Fed is working against you in that goal? Uh, because as they work to tame inflation, one of the focuses would seem to be on wage inflation, Brian, and it would seem to mitigate perhaps your hopes that you just outlined. 
Well, look, I think on the wages side, you saw you know wages come in at three tenths of a percent monthly. That's a that's you know a hair under four uh, percent on an annualized basis, and obviously that's something that uh, we and the Fed will continue to keep an eye on uh, on the core on the course of over the course of months. Uh, but I think that we. We, we, we are where we are in this economy, which is in a transition. And what we want to see is a transition from a very strong recovery to that period of more stable growth. And I think that today's data is another indication that the strength of the labor market is one important element of that. Because if we can expand labor force participation and get more people in uh, to the labor market while seeing solid wage gains, sustainable wage gains, then that's, that's the kind of transition that we want. That's the kind of transition that we want to see. Right. Uh, listen, the numbers are strong. Um, we've made back all the 22 million jobs that were lost during the pandemic. We have a 3.7% unemployment rate up a couple of ticks, but the participation rate is up. And yet uh, a majority of Americans, when polled, voters, when polled, would, would not hold your administration to a high stand, uh, would not say that your administration has done a particularly good job on the economy. Why do you think that is the case? Well, look, for all the progress we've made, we have a lot of more work to do. Uh, obviously, the cost issues and price issues, inflation challenge is one that is affecting people around the world, but affecting Americans here at home. And that's why what you'll see out of this administration and our president is a focus on doing everything we can to bring those prices down. I think that's what the American people want to see. I think that you're seeing that in gas prices coming down and providing some uh, welcome relief. We're seeing at least some indications of easing on pricing, for example, in the logistics and transportation uh, sector as well. Uh, but we're going to stay at this. And importantly, uh, we have now tools that we can implement over the course of the next couple of months in the context of the legislation that we passed uh, this past month with respect to building out semiconductor capacity, bringing down health care costs, expanding clean energy manufacturing in the United States. We have those tools to deploy over the course of the next couple of months, and we hope that we'll be able to demonstrate in practice and in real world terms the impact that that can have on families and communities and on easing price pressures. In terms of certain trends, um, obviously this report is, is a very good report, especially given what's going on in uh, monetary policy right now. But with regard to you know, certain details in the report, things like average hours coming down, lower wage inflationary pressure, if those trends continue, it may be good and, and more tenable for the Fed. But are you concerned about the political pressure, especially as we're a couple months away for, for, from midterms? Well, look. I think uh, you know a good jobs report is a good jobs report, and that's what we see uh, this uh, this month. Both of the top line of 315,000 jobs, the trend of uh, of solid job growth while still coming down from earlier in the year, and we have said it before, we'll say it again. We continue to expect that to moderate going forward, as you would expect if you look at 2018 and 2019, a period where the unemployment rate uh, was low. We only saw a couple of months with job uh, growth above 300,000. So you would certainly expect uh, that to uh, come down. Uh, but underneath the hood in this report, we see mostly real, really promising trends, as we've talked about, particularly on the labor force side. So uh, we're going to you know, keep our head down uh, and never put too much emphasis in any one month's report. Uh, but when we see something that's encouraging, we're certainly going to, uh, to focus on the encouraging elements of those, but also the policies that we can drive and implement now that will help to sustain that progress. We have tools particularly on the healthcare side, particularly on the clean energy side, that's going to be our focus, implementing them well so that American families actually see the impact. 
Yeah, we'd love to get you back on a, on a day other than Jobs Friday, Brian. Maybe talk more about uh, energy, SPR, certainly semiconductors in China. A uh, big piece today on uh, front page of the New York Times. But it's good to see you. Have a great long weekend. Great. Let's Brian do it. Thanks, National Economic Council Director. Uh, before we go to break time for the bond report, take a look at Treasuries. We did see a decline in yields on the heels of the jobs number. Can we get the two-year back below 3.4? We'll see, but certainly the 10-year below uh, back to 3.2 is a difference from yesterday. We're back in a moment. Get ready for the most powerful investment event of the year. CNBC's Delivering Alpha returns in person on September 28th. Meet with economic leaders, policymakers, and the world's best investors as they share insight on risk, opportunity, and of course, navigating this new market dynamic. Just scan the QR code on your screen to register. Dow's up 160, we'll be right back. Holding on to gains on this Friday ahead of a long weekend. Dow's up 120, let's get to Bob Pisani. Morning, Bob. Good morning, Carl, happy Friday, everybody. This, the jobs report wasn't that far from expectations, but it did move the markets. Yields were down, uh, the dollar was down, uh, oil moved up, interestingly. Uh, and stocks moved up and have held their gains, although they're off the high. The high print was right at the open. We got good corporate news from Lululemon uh, on top of that. Look at sectors here. It's the growthier stuff. Uh, oils got killed all week. Uh, it rallied. Energy stocks are up uh, today. Metals and mining, another proxy for global growth strong. Uh, semiconductors strong. Uh, Broadcom was okay. So these growth stocks, they tend to move inversely with the two-year. If the two-year yields are down, growth stocks tend to be up. Kathy Wood's ARK Innovation Fund, this is very interesting, that started quite strong right at the open and it's faded. Tesla's down um, right now, it's a key holding. Block is down uh, as well. Both were positive right at the open. Healthcare has been lagging uh, really all week. It's rather curious to see that, particularly pharmaceuticals. Take a look at the big energy names. Uh, it's not been a good week for energy. Remember, these are proxies for growth. Uh, global demand has perceived to be lower on concerns about global central bank tightening. Uh, but today's reversing a little bit. These are high beta names. They move more often than the overall energy stocks do. Arc, Devon, Schlumberger, Occidental, all to the upside. As for where we are right now, where's the markets right now? Let's just call the jobs report. If you're a bull, if you're looking for inflation to come down, I'll call it a step in the right direction. Slower uh, job growth, slower wage growth. That's exactly what everybody wants because it adds to the peak inflation thesis. It doesn't mean the Fed's going to stop tightening. It doesn't mean that there's going to uh, be some rate cuts in 2023, but it at least adds to the peak inflation thesis. So what's next? What's going to slowly add to this? The CPI is going to come out on September 13th. And I think we have an unusually important conference season. I don't usually pay that much attention to it, but I think it could matter a lot now. And next week, just, just one week from here, Year, well, just this week alone, we're going to have a number of major conferences, Barclay, Evercore, Wells Fargo, Cities Global Tech Conference. Goldman's got a big retail conference. And what happens at these conferences is individual companies present on a thematic basis in tech or retailing. Normally, they don't move things that much, but things have changed a lot since these companies reported in the middle of July. It's now going to be the middle of September, and a lot has happened in the economy. Potentially, we could see some real re-ratings uh, on the earnings situation. Remember, guys, still expected up 5 or 6% for the second half of the year, but that's about half where it was just about two months ago. Back to you. All right, Bob. Thanks. We'll see you in a bit. Bob Pisani. When we come back, uh, Goldman's chief economist, Jan Hatzias, will join us, talk about the jobs number today. The Fed, as Bob said, CPI coming up. In the meantime, almost all S&P sectors are green. VIX back to 24 is a one-week low.
You've been listening to the opening hour of CNBC's Squawk on the Street. If a friend asks how you're doing and you say, I'm okay. When the truth is, I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say, Hang it in there. Because if I ask for help, they'll just think I'm weak. Then this is your sign to call, text, or chat. 988 for free confidential support. Anytime. You don't have to hide how you feel.